anticipating the unintended. Number 157. Money Matters. A short fiscal year 23 Union Budget Edition. India Policy Watch Number 1. The Indefensibility of India's Defense Financing. Insights on Burning Policy Issues in India. Government budgets should be seen in the context of on-ground realities and future targets. The immediate context of the latest defense budget is the continuing standoff between Indian and Chinese troops in eastern Ladakh. Since it began in May 2020, this standoff has underlined the need to urgently equip India's defense forces to manage the strategic challenge posed by China. More firepower than Pakistan can no longer be the end goal of defense planning. Instead, India needs a decadal plan to effectively block and deter China's salama slicing strategy. The other important element underlying the defense budget is the COVID-19 pandemic. Last year's economic downturn further reduced the fiscal space and precluded a substantial rise in defense expenditure. Given that the government expects the economy to cross the pre-pandemic level in the upcoming financial year, it is worth comparing this year's defense budget with the pre-pandemic and pre-Ladakh standoff year fiscal year 20. The traditional approach of comparing expenditures with the last year's budget is not as helpful because the previous year was an anomaly on many counts. First, the overall trend in defense spending is not encouraging. One way to measure the importance of a sector is to analyze the percentage of overall government expenditure it occupies. The Ministry of Defense's MOD, relative importance has declined on this count. MOD expenditure now comprises 2.02% of GDP, down from 2.22% in fiscal year 20, and 13.3% of central government expenditure, down from 16.7% in fiscal year 20. The more worrying part is that this decline is not recent. Since fiscal year 10, the MODS expenditure has been steadily falling as a proportion of government expenditure. The Parliamentary Standing Committee on Defence's 2017-18 exhortation that defence spending of 3% GDP is optimal and necessary for ensuring the operational preparedness of the forces hasn't had the desired effect. Compared to the pre-pandemic year fiscal year 20, defence expenditure now comprises 2.03% of GDP, down from 2.22% in fiscal year 20, and 13.3% of union government expenditure, down from 16.7% in fiscal year 20. Here's the trend for the last few years. Observe that MODS relative spending has been declining. Image available on screen. Next, the change in the composition of MOD expenditure reveals a lot about government priorities. There are some positive signs on this count. The spending on defense pensions has relatively declined. It now comprises 22% of the MOD expenditure, down from 26% in fiscal year 20. One reason for this decline is that previous year's pension payments included some arrears. While this is welcome news, the respite is temporary. The five-yearly revision of one rank one pension, OROP, is due, and when it gets approved, pension expenditure will swell once again. Effective lateral entry mechanisms and a customized national pension scheme for the armed forces are the only long-term solutions for controlling pension spending. Another vital component of the defense budget is the pay and allowances for the armed forces personnel and defense civilians. Expenditure on this component has increased relative to other items. 
while salaries made up 29.9% of MODS allocation in fiscal year 20, they are budgeted to be at 31.1% of MOD expense in fiscal year 23. The relative decline in pension expenditure has allowed some fiscal space for more capital expenditure on arms, ammunition, and platforms. Capital outlay now makes up 29% of MOD expenditure compared to 24.5% in fiscal year 20. For the third straight year, the capital expenditure exceeds the expenditure on pensions, reversing a worrying trend that continued until fiscal year 20. Looking at the composition of MOD expenditures, there are two positives. 1. Pension expenditure is now under temporary control, OROP revision will change this. 2. Capital outlay is greater than pension expense for three years now, reversing a worrying trend. Image available on screen. However, this compositional improvement doesn't translate much in absolute terms, despite the government congratulating itself for increasing the capital outlay. As defense analyst Ajay Shukla observes. Link available on screen. The MOD announced that military modernization and border infrastructure development was at the center stage of the national security and defense planning process. To support this, the MOD pointed to the steady rise in the defense capital outlay from 86,740 crore rupees in 2013 to 14 to 1.52 lakh crore in 2022 to 23, an enhancement of 76% over a period of nine years. While that sounds like a healthy growth rate, it actually amounts to less than 5%, compounded annually, barely enough to cater for inflation and foreign exchange rate variation. The Indian Navy's share of this capital expenditure has increased to 35%, up from the 27% range between fiscal year 16 and fiscal year 20. This increase is significant as the response to China's buildup in the mountains might well lie in building deterrents in the oceans. Budgetary allocations indicate that the government is trying to build up India's naval strength but at a slow pace. Ajay Shukla points out how the Navy plans to utilize this allocation. Link available on screen. This increment will be needed to support the acquisition of new platforms, such as six air independent propulsion AP, submarines being acquired under Project 75I, a second indigenous aircraft carrier IAC-2, 57 twin-engine deck-based fighters TDBFs, and four more P-8I Poseidon long-range maritime patrol aircraft to keep a watch over the Indian Ocean. The Navy is also creating operational and strategic infrastructure that will be needed when the Tri-Service Maritime Command is operationalized in Karwar, near Goa. Across the three armed forces, the capital outlay for the Navy has increased from around 27% in 2015 to 16 to 35% in fiscal year 23. Image available on screen. The other small bit of good news was a substantial increase in the capital expenditure budget got the Indian Coast Guard and the Border Roads Organization. This will help accelerate the buildup of security infrastructure on India's land and maritime borders in peacetime. While the capital outlay has increased in monetary terms, it might not immediately translate into better hardware. That's because the government has earmarked 68% of the procurement budget for domestic players through negative import lists. It will take a few years for Indian players to build local manufacturing expertise and meet quality standards. Moreover, an umbrella of protectionism often disincentivize companies from making world-beating products. 
Atmanirbata has its costs, at least in the short term, the armed forces will be bearing a significant chunk of this cost. A disappointing miss is the dedicated non-lapsable fund for modernization, recommended by the 15th Finance Commission and accepted in principle by the government in fiscal year 22. This fund has been a long-standing demand of the MOD to make multi-year payments of defense equipment easier. This fund was to be seeded by transfers from the government, monetization of defense land, and disinvestment proceeds of defense public sector units. However, there is no indication in the budget about the progress of this critical reform. Part 1. The Hour of Reckoning. These discussions on the defense budgets give us a rough idea about the priority that governments accord to defense. Beyond that purpose, these insights have limited value as they merely focus on the relative changes from past years. The most important question, how much should India really spend on defense given its economic situation and threat perceptions, is never asked, and hence never answered. Year after year, the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Defence remarks that the MOD be allotted 3% GDP. Although the basis of this 3% anchor has never been explained, it has a debilitating effect on military reforms. Instead of confronting tough trade-offs, the military establishment finds it convenient to blame the government of the day for not raising the defence expenditure to 3% GDP. The government for its part approves unsustainable personnel expenditures such as a one-rank-one pension OROP, scheme without assessing its long-term economic impact on defence preparedness. The net effect is that around the defence budget every year, a passing the blame game ensues. The armed forces personnel blame defence civilians for eating into the defence expenditure. The military establishment blames the bureaucracy for financial delays. The government responds to the parliament that all is well, not to worry. In reality, India's defence planning needs a strong dose of economic reasoning. The defence ministry needs economists and defence planners who can create expenditure plans based on domestic economic conditions, resource constraints, and future threat scenarios. A part of military modernization has to be about building its financial planning and forecasting capability. Without building this capacity, we would be shooting in the dark against an adversary that's richer and better equipped. India Policy Watch Number 2. Contextualizing the Fiscal Year 23 Union Budget. Insights on burning policy issues in India. By now, you would have already read tens of fine-grained budget analyses. So, here's something different. Earlier this week, I spoke with Narayan Ramachandran for the Bangalore International Centre's podcast. Instead of focusing on sectoral spending, we zoomed out to locate this budget in the context of India's economic trajectory over the last decade. The conversation is linked on screen and is also available on all podcast apps. Homework Reading and listening recommendations on public policy matters. Links available on screen. 1. Podcast. On all things policy, I spoke with Arushi about why many policies end up being less effective than hoped. 2. Article. Pramit Bhattacharya has an excellent take on how to make sense of the big, confusing, and often misleading numbers in the budget. This article should be a mandatory reading before you go through any budget analysis. 3. Article. 
Resolving Municipal Distress in India, by Adam Feibelman and Bhargavi Zaverishar on the Leap Blog explore a promising source of municipal finances.